Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Are you looking for a designer to help you with your next product or startup? When I'm not working on the show, I'm busy working as an award-winning chief design officer and have been doing software design for startups and other companies for over 20 years. I'm also a published author and recently sold a startup to a multi-billion dollar company. For more information, visit kevinhorick.com. That is K-E-V-I-N-H-O-R-E-K.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Angela Lucier. She's the CEO and founder of Speaker Sisterhood. Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm actually really curious to know more about the Speaker Sisterhood. But before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Western Massachusetts, a little town called South Hadley, and uh, went to college right down the street at UMass Amherst and kind of stayed local. What, What did you take in university and why? It's funny. I, I, my made I majored in communications, but okay. I was very shy. So you would think like maybe that's not the best major, but I wanted to have a major that was broad, so that when I graduated, I could do a lot of different things. And one of the requirements for graduating was to take public speaking. And I went and I I talked to my advisor, and I got out of taking that class, <laughs> so I could still graduate without having to deal with my biggest fear. <laughs> Interesting. So, okay, so you eventually overcome this fear. So walk us through that journey and maybe your career along the way up until what you're currently doing now, because I think they go hand in hand. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Um, When I graduated from UMass at my first job after college, I was working at a radio station in the promotions department and I was super shy. You know, I was like doing everything in the background, not raising my hands in meetings. I I often had ideas, but I would just like email them and hope that maybe someone would see it and attribute it to me. And I quickly learned that that was a pretty horrible career strategy (laughs) because you don't really stand out if you stand in the background all the time. Sure. So I decided to go to Toastmasters to work on my self-confidence and feel more comfortable standing in front of a group. And the reason that I was so shy at that time is because if you met me then or now, I'm six feet tall. And if you met me when I was 12, I was also six feet tall. And if you remember being 12, you probably weren't that tall. I'm still not that tall. Most most, people. Yeah. So most most, uh, my peers were like a foot shorter than that. So I was was bullied and I was just constantly made fun of. And I just felt like so weird and out of place and I didn't want to be seen. So I did everything I could to fade into the background and just be as invisible as possible. And being shy worked really well in high school and college just to stay out of the spotlight. But, you know, realizing in my career that I needed to stand out, I went and did the public speaking training and it was the hardest gut-wrenching work I'd ever done, but it also unlocked a part of me that had been silent up until that point. And that was, 
my voice. That was my creativity. That was my perspective. It was my humor. And I started to come into who I was through practicing public speaking and started to discover that not only did I have something to say, but I actually loved public speaking. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so for five years, I went to Toastmasters and I practiced speaking and I put myself through the training. And then I launched a business as a career coach and had no marketing budget. So I went out and I did free workshops everywhere I could, like at libraries and rotary clubs and chambers and colleges and quickly became known as a speaker in my area. And, you know, that was funny to me because in my mind I was still shy and I was just like pretending to be a speaker, you know, sure. and then I realized actually if you go out and speak a lot, you, you actually are a speaker. And I started to develop friendships with other women in business who would come to me and say, how do I make a workshop and how do I go out and pitch myself as a speaker? And I realized I'd acquired all these skills around public speaking and I could help a lot of other people to build their own public speaking platform. And so I created a course called the Speaking School for Women to help women become professional speakers. And in that course, one of the students said to me, so where do we go to practice our speeches? And I said, well, we'll go to Toastmasters. And she said, well, I already tried Toastmasters and I don't like it. And a couple other women in the class said the same thing. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I should create like my own version of Toastmasters for women. And I created just an open house and I put out a press release and a couple of flyers and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to create this club for women who are going to practice public speaking together. If you want to come and check it out, here's when we're meeting and we'll see what happens. And that was in August of 2016. And it just completely blew up. It was like overnight, so many women were emailing me saying, how do I get into this group? I've been looking for something like this. I really need to find my voice. I really need confidence when presenting my business in front of people, when I'm networking, when I'm interviewing. There were like a, a hundred reasons that women wanted to be part of this that went way beyond just becoming a professional speaker. And before I knew it, I was building one club, another club, a third club, a fourth club. And I thought, I need to like have other club leaders. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to do anything except for <laughs> lead clubs. Sure, which <laughs> so is I, cool, I but I know license. what you mean, yeah. Yeah. And so I created a licensing model. And today, Speaker Sisterhood is a network of public speaking clubs for women around the country. And there are licensed club leaders who run clubs in their community for women who want to practice the skill. No, that's that's awesome. I, I think the other thing that I've said a, a number of times on the show is, is basically one of the main reasons I started this show was to get over my own fear of public speaking. And I, I think the funny thing about it, and you, you kind of touched on it a few minutes ago, but I want to reiterate it, it. Public speaking doesn't necessarily have to mean you become a speaker in front of an audience. Like you public speak all the time, whether it's in front of coworkers or you're, you're pitching an idea in a meeting like that is public speaking. Right. And you you mentioned earlier that you were kind of shy in the background and didn't speak up in meetings. But getting over that fear and, and being able to kind of put yourself out there and your ideas is public speaking at its core. I just do you agree with that or your thoughts around that? Probably you would agree with that. A hundred percent. And I've heard you say on the podcast that you started this show for that reason. And yeah, what we're doing right now is public speaking. And yeah. it's, it's public speaking is even talking to your spouse about something that you need. It's like your ability to communicate and speak up in any forum, whether there's one person in the room or 1,000. 
And the more you can build that skill, the easier it becomes to say what's important to you and to not be afraid of what are people going to think of me if I say this? You know, it's really, really important that we connect with our voice because that's the thing that helps us to become who we want to be and have the life we want to have. Sure. Well, and the other thing, too, I, I think being able to openly voice your opinion and being able to support your opinion and, and then have an honest conversation with people that agree with you and disagree with you and kind of everywhere in between and try to understand where people are coming from if they disagree with you, right? And then trying to meet in the middle is basically what we do all the time every day when we're compromising with whether it's in our personal, professional life or both, right? Oh, absolutely. And one of our speech exercises in the club is how to give a persuasive speech. And that's not just to stand at your town meeting and you know, try to pass some sort of local ordinance. But it's the same thing as having a conversation at work with your boss when you're trying to ask for a raise and give reasons why you should get that extra $1,000 or 10%. And it's really about understanding how to articulate your thoughts so that you're talking to your audience in a way that they will actually listen to you and that you're helping them solve a problem. And that's a really important mindset shift that a lot of people don't really think about when they're trying to connect with someone and persuade them or, you know, help them to see their point of view is it's all about who you're talking to and trying to get them to see why what you're saying should matter to them. Sure. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the speaker sisterhood. What exactly do you guys do and and how can people kind of get involved, whether they want to go to one and, and speak or actually start one in their own community? Well, every meeting is the same. We keep it consistent so that members know exactly what to expect at every meeting. We have 20 meetings a year, two per month, and each meeting is two hours long. And in the meetings, there's an opportunity for members to give a planned speech from the curriculum called The Secret Life of Speaking Up. And they get uh, oral feedback and written feedback. And then there's also a chance for them to give a freestyle speech on a, a topic that will be given in the meeting. And the there's like a, an array of skills that they're working on in the curriculum. And some of them include eye contact, body language, you know, how to speak from the heart, how to do audience interaction, how to be persuasive and, at the same time, they're working on topics like love and truth and power and passion and talking about things that are really important to them. So what we really want to make sure is happening is not just building the skill of public speaking, but also a journey of self-discovery because so many people are so busy and, you know, these members are busy being moms and work, they're, they're entrepreneurs and they're leaders and their wives, and they have so many things going on in their life, they often don't have time to take a step back and say, wait, hold up, who who am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Sure. So these speeches give them a chance to do some self-exploration and then stand in front of the room and say, this is who I am. This is what matters to me. This is the message I want to share in the world. And the clubs are restricted to 15 members because we want to make sure that it's uh, a circle of trust and it's women who see each other every other week and they're working on this difficult skill set together and building trust 
and, and supporting each other and empowering each other and watching each other grow. And that's one of the things that I think is most like magical about speaker sisterhood is that each club has its own culture and its own family. And it truly is a sisterhood where they're doing this really life-changing transformational work together and watching each other grow. And there's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of stories that you probably wouldn't hear anywhere else except for inside of the meetings. And once they get through that first curriculum of 10 speeches, we have a second advanced curriculum called Truth Tellers, and that's building on more public speaking skills and really focused on authenticity to help build a stronger connection with the audience. And once a member has been a member for two months, she becomes uh, eligible to apply to run her own club in her own community. And we have a, a short interview process and a, we have a, a club leader training academy where we teach all of the facilitation techniques, um, you know, how to set up a club, marketing, everything that goes into building your own club, which is essentially like a business in a box. And then they can start their own club. And we've launched about 40 clubs so far. And wow. they're, all, they're all around the country. And, you know, we're just looking to keep building them because every time we build one, it helps more women in that community. And I think when women have a voice, they help their kids, they help their family, they help their community, they help their co coworkers. And, you know, it just, it kind of has a ripple effect. No, interesting. That That's actually very cool. The other thing that I want your thoughts on is if you're really scared of public speaking and maybe getting in front of people, one of the best things that you might do is actually host your own club because then people need to come to you instead of you going to them. Like I know in the past where I've gone to like a net, like I hated networking, um, like in-person networking. And I, I figured out a long time ago, it's like go to a networking event with somebody that's really outgoing has gone to that networking event a bunch of times. So you can basically follow them around and get introduced to people so that when you go the second time or the third time, people know who you are just because you went with somebody that was already like kind of leverage what other people are doing, right? But if you're hosting something or you go with somebody that already knows people, they introduce you and it's you don't have to just like awkwardly stand in the corner or like what are your thoughts or advice around kind of that just getting yourself out there? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that is surprising for interested club leaders is they don't have to be a professional public speaker in order to lead the club. We're actually not looking for that because there's no teaching that goes on in the club. Right. It's really about facilitation. And so we teach, we help to um, with the, with leadership skills and facilitation techniques. But when it comes to networking events, I used to hate networking too, and I was super shy. So what I would do is I would I would try to change my mindset from I'm an awkward, shy person to I'm a journalist and I'm coming into this event with five questions that I need to ask at least five people and I can't leave until I do that. Interesting. <laughs> Smart. So the five questions, it, it was like I had to do Jedi mind tricks. Otherwise, I would just stand and eat cheese and crackers for two hours and then go home and feel bad about myself. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, wow, that was a huge waste of $20 and two hours, but... Um, so the five questions were, you know, what do you do? Have you been to this event before? Where do you work? What do you like about this event? And is there anyone you think I should meet? And it was a great way to start a conversation without feeling like 
I don't know where to start, you know, and these are all just basic questions anyone can be expected to ask at a networking event. But I've, I've researched this topic at length because even though I've gotten more comfortable with networking events, I'm always looking for better ways to do it. And I've, I think Vanessa Van Edwards from the Science of People said, if you're at a, a restaurant or bar, you should position yourself right by the bar on the side where people pick up their drinks because now they've, they've, they've gotten their drink, they're comfortable, and now they're looking for someone to talk to. So if you stand right there, you're the first person they'll see, and it's easier to start a conversation than try to like get into the middle of you know, two other people having a conversation. Yeah, no, that's it's smart, actually, right? And it's all these little things that I think a lot of people do or they do some sort of variation or combo of that you don't think about. But once you hear them, you're like, oh, that's so simple. I could do that, right? And it makes <laughs> the anxiety of going to some of these things a little bit less, right? And if the more and more you figure out, like, maybe you can get some just outside of your comfort zone and still being so far out right yeah interesting yeah. and and then the more you do it the less uncomfortable and weird it feels and then you realize actually everybody here feels weird totally. so maybe we can talk about that too and i've actually had conversations with people saying like are you do you feel uncomfortable right now and then it's like the whole mood changes on the conversation now it's like oh we're in this together because we've just acknowledged the elephant in the room <laughs> no, I a hundred percent agree. And I think the more kind of vulnerable and brutally honest you are without being like rude, um, the better people kind of, cause you can tell if somebody's kind of being fake, right. Or for the most part, I, I feel like most people can, can detect that pretty quick that if you're kind of just like, look, sorry, I'm super uncomfortable. This is my first one, you know, like, what do you get out of these? Or I think like people, the second you kind of let your guard down and, and be kind of vulnerable, people seem to be like, oh, that's like really brave of you, right? For to tell a stranger that within the first few minutes. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that vulnerability does equate to bravery. And it also equates to comfort, because now there's no putting on a show. Yeah. And when I do come across people who are fake, or I, I feel like are, are trying to pretend to be some, somebody that maybe they're not, I think that they're doing that because they don't know how to just be themselves. They're not trying to like, I don't know, put, put on like an, a front, but I think that they just don't know how to relax. So if I can be the leader in that conversation and be like, Hey, just chill out. It's totally fine. I don't know what I'm doing either. Then all of a sudden we're like, all right, so let's get down to like what's actually happening here. <laughs> no fair. Well, and I think like the, f they can hopefully let their guard down because you they feel like look like there's no reason to pretend to be somebody you're not right it's interesting yeah cool so you've written a bunch of books and you have an upcoming book do you quickly want to maybe talk about the books you've written in the past and then let's dive deeper into your up and coming book yeah, so I have six books, and the first three I wrote when I was really focused on career and business coaching from like 2009 to 2015. And my first book, The Anti-Resume Revolution, is all about helping people kind of carve their own path and figure out what they want to do based on their passions and creating value and connections along the way. And not so much relying on a piece of paper, but really showing up in front of the people that they want to connect with and be known by and showing value. 
Uh, my next two books help people decide whether or not entrepreneurship is for them and helps them discover how to start their own business. And then my, my next three books are all speaker sisterhood books. And one of them is The Curriculum, The Secret Life of Speaking Up. And then the next book I wrote, it's called The Secret Life of Speaking Up Prequel. And I wrote that book because I would watch women come into the club as a guest just to see if this is for them. And then sometimes they'd start to like, you know, at the end of the meeting, walk out really quietly. And, you know, I, I would ask like, oh, what did you think of the meeting? Did you like it? And sometimes they would say, you know what, I don't do public speaking at all. And I can't really see myself going from that to this. Like I need some kind of in-between thing. So that book is for those people who are in the in-between of like not ready to stand in front of a room, but would like to do something. So that book has 30 tiny speaking adventures where it helps them to practice using their voice, like talking to a neighbor or writing an op-ed piece for the newspaper or just calling three friends and giving one reason why they love them as a friend. There's a lot of different things in there that just help them practice getting comfortable using their voice in ways that they may not in a typical day. And then once they've built up more courage, then the intent is that maybe then they'll be ready to, you know, practice public speaking. And then the last book is Truth Tellers, the, the advanced curriculum for speaker sisterhood. And the one coming out in November is called Secrets of the Sisterhood. And I'm, this is, I'm probably most excited about this book out of all of them, and I didn't actually write it. It's a compilation book of speeches that were submitted by Speaker Sisterhood members who have been in the clubs between 2016 and 2019. And we accepted 45 speeches. They're all on the topics of either love, truth, or power, which are speech topics in the curriculum. And these stories are so moving and so raw and so real and vulnerable and courageous. And I just, I, I would sit in, in club meetings and watch these speeches being delivered. And all I could think was, I can't believe only 15 people are going to hear this speech, you know, the 15 women sitting in this room. More people need to hear this. This is so inspiring. And it's like, it could help so many other people if they read the story to give them strength to do something different with their life, to give them the the insight they might need to make a change in their life. And so we put out a call for submissions and we went through all of them and accepted 45. And this book comes out November 29th. And I'm excited about it because I want these stories to be out in the world, but I'm also excited about it because the fundraiser, 50% of the profits will go to our scholarship program to help more women access speaker sisterhood who may in the past may not have been able to afford membership. And now they'll be able to, through a short application process. And that makes me really, really happy because I think the more women that can have access to this, the better. Very, very cool. So I want to touch on that a little bit more. Like what does it cost to actually join? Well, it's a $97 per year for the program fee, which gives you access to your own copy of the curriculum and some of our online tools like okay. videos and articles. And then every club has its own monthly membership fee and it changes depending on the market. And so it really is like, like our Boston clubs are between 40 and $50 per month, okay. but our clubs where I live, which is more rural and Western mass are $25 per month. So it's not excessive, but it is an investment. Sure. No, no, that makes, that makes sense. Um, the, so you've done this for a number of years now and I know that there's people listening to this show that still can't 
just kind of get over that hump and, and just start, whether it means just starting to get into public speaking or getting over public speaking or, or just putting themselves out there or, or taking the leap and, and starting their own business. What advice do you give people or have you seen work to actually get people over that hump to, to start something? I'm not saying necessarily they have to quit their full-time job and, and do that. Maybe that's an option for them. But what advice do you give people to just go for it? Well, you can imagine this this topic comes up a lot. <laughs> because for sure. We're talking about the number one fear is public speaking. So even if I know someone really well and I'm trying to convince them to come check out a meeting, they're like, look, I know you and I like what you do, but I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> what I often say <laughs> is I tell them a story about when I started speaking and I went to Toastmasters, right? So yeah. I would go to the meetings twice a month. For six months, I went to that those meetings and I never said a word. And in my mind, I was learning public speaking because I was watching other people give speeches and I was hearing the feedback and I was making notes about what to do and what not to do. But I never myself actually got up and stood in front of the room and said anything. So after six months, the club president pulled me aside and said, hey, we're going to put you on a schedule to speak at the next meeting. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not ready to speak. And what he said to me next is what changed my life. And it's what I tell people all the time, because it's the thing that makes the difference. He said, you'll never be ready. You just have to start. And when he said that, I realized I was waiting to wake up one morning and just have this new confidence and like this feeling of like self-assurance, like, oh, now I can start public speaking. But that day doesn't come. You actually have to make that day happen by starting before you're ready. So anytime someone says, I'm not ready, I just say, you're never going to be ready. And the longer you wait, the more time you're wasting. So just start now and then just start building up every every experience you have as uh, giving a speech, showing up at a meeting, you're building the skill and it will increase and you will feel stronger and more confident, but it only happens if you actually do it. It's like any skill, like learning how to bake a cake or play basketball. It only happens by doing it. Sure. No, and to be 100% honest with you, I think the funny thing about that, like I 100% agree with you and I've been doing the show for I think like four and a half years now. And I still feel like that, I think. And, like, I'm still doing it, right? Like, I still don't think I'm, like, ready to do this, but I've been doing it for years. So I, I think, like, I don't know if that ever really goes away, right? Like, do you – how do you feel? You've done a podcast for, for a long time now, and you're well into 100-plus episodes. Yeah, I still don't feel ready to do it. And I remember the first episode, I said, you guys, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just have to start doing it and then I'll learn. And I'm on, I just re- released the 126th episode yesterday. Congrats, and I'm still like, huge. I guess I'm going to hit, I'm going to, thank you. I'm going to hit publish on this, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I think that's the thing to like, openly tell people is like, people are like, oh, how did you do it? It's like, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like just just do it just have no idea what you're doing too <laughs> exactly. posting it online like, i don't know yeah, i think once you can admit that you don't really know what you're doing and that no one really knows what they're doing it just starts to make everything yeah. feel a little lighter and a little easier because there's no magic moment when you're like i got this Exactly. And I I think the people that tell you they know what they're doing are just lying or at least half lying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I like about this work. Like 
I think that public speaking is endlessly fascinating because there's so many different elements to it because it's all about human connection and it's about communication and storytelling and energy and there's so many pieces to it that I could study it for the rest of my life and really never feel like an expert on it. I'm always just trying different things and I, I always tell people this is an adventure. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just on a trail like walking in the woods figuring it out. I don't know. <laughs> no, I 100% agree. And the other thing too is like it really doesn't cost that much to get into a, a lot of this stuff. And obviously the podcasting movement has kind of blown up in the last year or two. And in a lot of cases, I think like it's almost like what blogs were 15, 10, 15 years ago, right? And And it's like, sure, when you start out, you might have one listener and then hopefully you get two and then you hopefully get four and 10 and 100 and then maybe like 100,000 at some point you never know right where where this stuff can go yeah absolutely and you know I record my podcast in a closet in my house I call it the glitter closet because the ceiling has glitter on it and everybody that comes to my house like like people like members of speaker sister and if they come over for an event or something they're like can you show me the glitter closet i'm like all right first you need to like put the bar way low because it's yeah, literally yeah. my front hall closet <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's funny that you say that because um well i at my i don't work there anymore but there was a little kind of storage room in the old office that i used to work at and it kind of ha- it had like a window so you could like look outside but it was really really tiny but the acoustics in there were amazing. And so like I would record in there and and yeah, like people would be like, oh, where did you record? It's like, I just like set my laptop on this like kind of like shelf thing and like just sat on a chair in front of a shelf basically. And like the first probably like 50 or 60 episodes were done in there. And they're like, it's just, nobody knows. Like everybody's like, you think this is like elaborate studio, but no, it's just like, a mic plugged into a laptop and me sitting on a sh- but next to a shelf <laughs> in the closet. Yeah. Well, well, my closet was so cramped that like I had um, cross country skis in there and basketballs and mops and Amazing. jackets and it was good. Like I kept it all in there for the acoustics, you know, it just really helped to create a warm sound. But so every once in a while, my arm would like hit a cross country ski and it would fall into the microphone. And after a while I just left those in. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's a cross country ski. <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> And I would get emails from listeners being like, thanks so much for just like keeping it real and reminding us that we don't need to be perfect and we can just start where we are. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like really, I'm not like, you know, in a skyscraper in New York City, you know, at serious recording this. Like, I'm just a real person. <laughs> no, I, yeah. And I think that resonates with, with more people, right? It's like more people can resonate with the people that it's like, look, I built a business from nothing and I'm making a really good, comfortable living. I'm not a billionaire, but you can do this too. And, and here's some thoughts around what I went through, right? Is way easier to relate yeah. to than it's like, here's the next billion dollar idea. And I'm going to tell you how to get there in two to three years. You're kind of like, well, maybe, but <laughs> it's a pretty far stretch, right? So I love when yeah. somebody like yourself is open to brutally talk about the the real realities of some of this stuff. Yeah, it's, I think it's as important because then it sort of bridges that gap between like 
someone listening who is in a job they don't like, but wants to do something bigger and different and hears someone else's story and is like, oh, they're kind of like cut and pasting it and like making it work. <laughs> yep. I could probably do that. Yeah. Exactly. So we've talked about your podcast. What exactly is your podcast called and what is it about? Well, it's called Play in the Stage, and it's available on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all the major podcast platforms. And it's about public speaking, and it's specifically for women. So we cover all kinds of topics, ranging from how to like, actually warm up your voice to how to be a better storyteller, how to hone in on your message, how to get over the fear of speaking, different warm-ups you can do before you speak. I also do some solo Q&A episodes. And right now we're doing a special series about Secrets of the Sisterhood where I have eight of the speech contributors coming on the show to read their speeches and tell the story behind the speech. So I do some special series here and there. And I did a speaking tour last year around New England and I did some episodes from the road where I talked about what I was learning as I was going on all these different gigs. And some of them are specifically about professional speaking since I've been doing that for 10 years too. So if anyone's looking for something on public speaking, they can probably find it in the archives on my show. Very cool. No, I, I think that that's great. Like what you, you cover in, in the podcast and you've had some really big name guests on the show as well, right? Talking about uh, like some of this stuff and, and being kind of brutally honest as well. So, you know, I, I think that's a really good resource for people out there that are looking for, for something in that kind of space. Yeah, thank you. So I'm curious, you have quite the elaborate resources section on your website. Do you want to talk about some of the stuff that you offer there? Because I think it could be very valuable for a lot of people out there. Yeah, well, I've developed some of my own speaking tools that have worked for me over the years, and I use them in the Speaker Sisterhood curriculum to help new speakers start to feel more comfortable on stage. So one thing is called the stage system, and stage is an acronym for style, truth, art, group, and energy, and it's the five elements you want to consider when you're putting your speech together to make sure that you're thinking about the whole experience and not just the actual words you're saying. So it's about how you're delivering the words. It's about incorporating your own personal stories or stories about clients or whoever might you know, apply to that topic. The art of the speech, which is about the audience interaction, the way you set up the room, the way that you lead discussions, any props you use. The group piece is thinking about who's sitting in front of you and what's important to them. And then the overall energy of the talk, like, is this going to be an upbeat, enthusiastic, have music playing at the beginning kind of talk? Is this going to be a time for reflection and journaling? So you want to make sure you set the tone correctly so that when people walk in, they kind of know what to expect. So that's one tool in the resources section. Another one is called the three circles method. Okay. And this is a, a tool I created because I wanted to stop using notes. And okay. this is something that new speakers are always asking me about. How do I stop using notes? Because I don't want to just stand in front of a room and read a story to people. I want to actually make eye contact. So what I say is think about your three main points in your talk and boil them down to three images that you can put in those circles. So the example that I use is you're giving a speech about your dog. And you named your dog Bobo, so your your speech is about how you gave how you came up with that name. Maybe another piece of the speech is about a lesson you learned from Bobo, and another piece of the speech is about the day you got him. 
And so you might use little icons in those circles to help represent those stories. So maybe you named your dog Bobo because you want to name him after your grandfather, Bob. So the first icon would be a picture of your grandfather. The second icon is the lesson you learned from Bobo. Like maybe he got out one day and, you know, in searching for him around the, the neighborhood, you discovered something that would be a useful tool for you for life. So the icon is a picture of a fence. And then the third story about the day you got him, you got him on Christmas day. So you have a Christmas tree in that circle. When you're giving the speech, you're thinking in your mind about the picture of your grandfather, the picture of the fence and the Christmas day. And you can move through those stories pretty easily without having to read your notes because you're picturing them in your mind. And it, it works really well, especially because you don't give yourself too much to talk about. But if you have an hour-long speech, then you use more circles and you put more pictures and you just have to get really practiced at what those icons mean before you stand on stage. But it works really well. Yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, then you're just kind of glancing at the next kind of icon or, or image instead of trying to read a bullet point quickly and, and then transition to it, right? Yeah. And... It doesn't happen overnight because you, you can't go from reading paragraphs to just looking at a picture of a Christmas tree and kind of knowing what to do. But as you start to practice it, it does become more comfortable. And before you know it, you're giving 30 minute talks with no notes at all. And you're just picturing those pictures in your mind. Interesting. And it's a pretty cool thing to witness. Yeah, it's, it's a real skill. Sure. So you've been doing this a, a long time. What other advice or misconceptions do you maybe see or hear all the time that, that you maybe want to get out there and, and promote more? Well, I don't think that people should be aiming to be a cookie cutter speaker. And what I mean by cookie cutter speaker is this is what you should do with your arms. This is how you should move around the space. This is the exact way to give a speech. I think everybody needs to learn their own style because when you're trying to be somebody else on stage, your yeah, audience yeah. senses that and they lose the connection. And if they're not connected to you, they're not paying attention and they're not getting as much from the experience as they could. So every speaker's goal should be to discover their own style and be their own person on stage. And the more in their body they are and the more authentic they are, the more their audience will like them. And I, I get really upset when I see articles saying, you should do this with your hands, because I've seen people try to do that with their hands, and it's awkward and it's weird to watch because you can tell that's not how they normally move their hands. <laughs> Interesting. And I mean, there, there are some studies that show you want to move your hands when you're talking because it helps your audience to trust you if they can see your hands, and I agree with that, but you want to make sure you're, you're moving them in a way that's natural for you. And, and not completely artificial. So I think that's one thing that speakers should really be focusing on is how they can show up as themselves and not as another you know person that they saw on YouTube that they want to emulate. No, I, I and, think, uh, sorry, I, I just want to say one more thing to that. It's like, I think that's such good advice because I always hate those like 10 things that really successful people do every morning. It's like, if you're not a morning person, like don't try to become a morning person because like somebody put a list out there. It's like maybe cherry pick a couple of things off that list if it works for you. But like yeah. it, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's like if that doesn't work for you, 
don't force yourself to do it because you just look awkward and like not truthful. <laughs> yeah, and it brings up shame because like if you're not a morning person, you all of a sudden feel like you can't be successful if you're if you don't do that stuff. And I remember when we first started building out Speaker Sisterhood, one of the speech exercises was about adding humor okay. to the speech, and it brought up so much anxiety for the members. They're like, "I'm not funny. I don't. I'm not someone who can just stand in front of a room and make jokes." and like nobody wanted to do the speech exercise. And I realized it's really not fair if you're not someone who feels comfortable making a joke in front of the room to force someone to do that. And I do think that a lot of speeches that have humor are more effective. But if, if that's not how you like to communicate and connect with people, like it's not, not my job to force somebody to do that. If they're using slides and they want to put a, like some sort of like a comic strip up there with a joke or have like a meme that has some sort of humor, like maybe that's another way to add humor without feeling like I've got to have a punchline and I've got to like sure. work on my delivery because that just might not be them. No, that, that's actually really good advice. But you were going to make a second point before I kind of interrupted you. Do you want to make that point? I think that was it. I think okay. it was the humor. No, that, yeah. no that's – okay. No, that's awesome. So – I'm curious, though, what other things do you hear commonly that stop people from actually maybe just doing it or, or getting up in front of people that that you, you've heard that something that could maybe resonate with somebody to actually get them up and, and start doing this stuff? Um, is that you have to be good at it. You have to know what you're going to say and you have to make a point. And I think a lot of newer speakers feel like I don't have anything to say. I don't know why anyone would care about what I have to say that that comes up all the time. And by getting up and just saying something, it's really interesting when you hear feedback from the audience and they go, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about that. I've never heard anybody else say that. And I was talking to a woman yesterday who submitted a speech for the book and I'm having her on the podcast and she wrote a story about how when she was a kid she moved around a lot so every time she would make a new friend she wouldn't try that hard to keep the friendship going because she knew she was going to be leaving soon and it didn't seem like it was worth putting in all the effort and as she got older she realized she was never really being her authentic self with anyone because it was just easier to sort of be a chameleon and like hang out with people and, and then just move on to the next town and now as an adult, she works with women in leadership positions to be more authentic. And so she's like trying to do this for herself while also helping other people. And she said as she gave the speech in the club, her audience was all nodding. And they, a lot of them said, you know, I didn't move around as a kid, but I often felt like I couldn't really connect with people because I didn't know how to just be myself. And we think our stories are so unique and different and we're weird and there's shame around them. But then as soon as we say them out loud, it takes away a lot of that negative charge and it helps us connect with more people because we see that our stories are the same as everyone else's stories, even though the context may be a little bit different. So what I like to tell new speakers is you may think you have nothing to say, but I promise you, if you tell a story in the club, someone in there is going to go, yeah, I totally relate to that. And that happened to me or something like that. So that's probably the best advice is just start speaking. and You'll be surprised how, how connected you'll feel and how similar we all are. No, I, I 100% agree with you. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about 
all the stuff we talked about today, the book, the podcast, and the sisterhood? Yeah, well, speakersisterhood.com has all the information about our podcast. All the episodes are up there, and we'll have information up about the book in the next couple days. And we have the podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Perfect. Well, Angela, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.